My friends, the great experiment. Prodigy. Prodigy. Hidden. Trick. Trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick. Trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Good afternoon, Adam. Hello. You were up on a ladder. Ben. <laughs> I was up on a ladder too. I was uh I was I was raking my roof. You kind of chastised me for my laddering earlier my wife's been out of town for a couple of days and you were like you shouldn't be doing ladder alone you shouldn't and it made a lot of sense you need a ladder buddy yeah my puppy is not a ladder buddy i'll tell you that she's furthest from ladder buddy yeah uh entity i could possibly think of no i mean i don't want to like find out that the co-host of my shows has broken his ankles and uh and then like starved to death because he couldn't get to a phone Ben, much like Captain Pike, I know my fate. Mm. And and my fate is a <laughs> body found headline. <laughs> do you see I'm positive. Do you see your rotten corpse every time you catch a glimpse of your reflection in a control yeah. panel? Every time I get up on a ladder and I catch a glimpse of my reflection in a window, I see <laughs> my body found at the bottom of a ladder. How uh your wife was out of town for a week? She is going to be out of town for a week. I mean, it could be much longer. She might never come back, but she left yesterday and she's supposed to come back on Friday. You're going to get so much PlayStation done. It's going to be amazing. You would think. I know you're teasing (laughs) me, but all I ever do when she's gone is like all of the shit that I, for some reason, am unable to do while she's around. Like (laughs) I, I was up on a ladder putting a smoke alarm in my studio like i'm just uh-huh. i'm just doing shit on the list cut that shit the fuck out and download a game on your goddamn video game system a couple of good buddies of mine mailed me as a surprise the last of us 2 hey on a disc wow physical media and so i popped it into my ps5 and i'm installing it as we speak so maybe i'll just take it easy tonight and play a little of that that is great news. I want you to stomp on some mushroom-headed zombos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to turn out the lights and li- listen to the clicking. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great news. Right? That's a very fun game. Yeah. You probably 100%ed it. Yeah, man. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I keep it 100. I'm playing uh, uh, God of War Ragnarok right now. That's the game you suggested to me. Is that something we can play together or not? I don't know. It seems like it should be because there's a there's a daddy and a boy. Oh, and, uh, I know which one you want to be. Yeah, I want to be the boy. The boy. <laughs> Teach me to fight, daddy. <laughs> um, More like Ragnarok hard. Yeah. Now I noticed our our buddy Sam in uh, DC was uh, was online playing that the other day, and I was like, "Hey, that's a nice idea." Playing oh, is that a game what he was online. Doing? Yeah, he was online moments ago when I went to install this game. Hey, what? You know who's taking great care of himself? Our friend Sam in DC playing video games in the daytime. That's great. Well, it's yeah, it's I mean, it's it's the afternoon over there. Sure, but Sam Sam has like an important job. Yeah. You know? Hey, 
Ben, so do we. Our job is not important, Adam. <laughs> Our job is, is nothing compared to Sam's job. <laughs> I don't think you understand how important our jobs are to a lot of friends of DeSoto out there, man. Mm, maybe I'm just in denial. Get with the program. But I really do I really do want you to take some of this time to unwind, play a little video games. You know? Yeah, man. I got a I got a game controller and a jazz gummy with my name on him. Ben, before we start, I need to tell you that I'm recording in a compromised state. Uh-oh. And I know we have a lot of viewers out there who are sensitive to things like mouth sounds or like, I don't know, things that make them reflexively cringe or gag or whatever. I'm about to tell you how i You mean I'm like recording. the me- mesophone people? Yeah, which doesn't sound like a real thing to me. But one thing that is very real is how I'm recording right now. Okay, skip, skip 30 if, if you're squicky. Adam is about to say it now. So one of the great and fun things that my beloved puppy does is uh, drink her water and then dig in her water bowl and just like (laughs) splash the water everywhere, all over the place. Cool. (laughs) And I have just stepped with both feet wearing socks (laughs) into those puddles and my feet are fucking soaked wow my socks like washcloths of cold water (laughs) and that is how i'm recording the program today man i thought you were gonna tell me you already took the jazz gummy or something that is so much worse it is a specific week in la which means it's furnace season (laughs) sure is adam well let's get through the stupid episode so that you can get on to more important stuff (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is more important than what I'm doing right now, Ben, and that's talking about Star Trek Prodigy, Season 1, Episode 18, Mind Walk. We start this episode in media starship staring contest, uh, right where we left off in the last episode. The P-Star and the USS Shuffle, nose to nose. Hologram Janeway has kind of taken on all of the hauntedness that Zero had previously had as a character trait. (laughs) There's no way you're as sad as me. (laughs) No, I insist. I am equally sad, if not sadder. (laughs) She can shut herself off? This is something we've seen her do before, but... Yeah. She's in such a state of grief that she just hits her own switch. She's out of there. She's gone. She's gone for the rest of the episode. I I had no control. The construct made me try to stop you. Her reasons are convincing enough, right? She doesn't want to keep on sabotaging the way she's been. Yeah. Right, cuz the glowing red orb in the uh in the basement of the bridge knows what she knows. So if she knows what the the kids are planning, the glowing red orb can twist what she's doing to its evil ends. What we need is a cartoon of Hollow Janeway doing that same like big strut. It's uh-huh. like keep on sabotaging. And like <laughs> her her outstretched leg is like tripping rock talk. <laughs> what do you think of that as a sticker? I, I like that. Rock talk is definitely the R crummiest looking star trek character we've had in a long time because 
Rock Talk's image confuses and titillates me for reasons I can't quite explain. Yeah, it's a mixture of uh, arousal and horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these two ships are so close, Ben. They're close enough for a Top Gun-style foreign relations check, like right. cockpit to cockpit. Yeah, and uh, and Doctor George happens to be the uh, the Soviet MiG pilot that sees them through right. the window. Yeah, this is why you plant the seed of the six bay window all those episodes right. ago, right? For this oh. moment, for this moment alone, and. Uh, you, you sort of wonder, like, does a Soviet even know what the middle finger means? Does Dr. George even know how horrifying Rock Talk's mouth is? I'll say the effect of an inverted protostar right above a USS shovel. The effects are much better than they were in 86. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, so rather than buzz the tower, the protostar just kind of goes to war. Yeah. And that's because the crew are locked out of any sort of controls. The ship does this on its own. They have no access. Meanwhile, the USS Shovel goes to warp in pursuit under the orders of Commander Davi Diggs. But we check in with the baddies who are like hiding the body of Janeway actual in a closet. Dreadnought always sort of seems to be around these scenes, but not doing anything. You, have you noticed that? Like, I wanted to see his claws mm. around her. I, like, who better to move the body than Dreadnought? But it was, it wasn't him, right? Right. It was the Vindicator doing all the all the heavy lifting. Yeah. And Dreadnought just kind of like ideating, like the Vindicator doing all the hard work, and the and then Dreadnought like touching a a pencil to the tip of his finger in the corner, like, what if we threw her out an airlock? You know. Do you mean the Diviner? The Vindicator is, the, is what Asensia's evil uh, alter ego is. Oh, God. How did I already forget that? <laughs> Why do we need all these flowery titles? You fell off a ladder and all of your faculties just go right out of the, out the window. I know. My carbon monoxide sensor is just glowing red for some reason <laughs> right above me. Uh, <laughs> nice, soft shade of red. Yeah. So they take uh, the the com badge off of Janeway, and Asensia goes back to the bridge in Asensia costume, and they come up with this idea of merging the warp fields of the two ships. Like they're gonna, the USS Shovel is gonna get in real close on the Protostar, and their warp field bubbles will coagulate, coalesce into one big bubble, and then that will prevent the protostar from like getting away from them somehow some of our closest friends have little kids i think they're like eight and five mm -hmm. and they watch this show yeah and i cannot wait for my next visit to seattle when i ask them what they think is happening here <laughs> <laughs> because you really need to believe that you can explain warp bubbles to a kid and then show them this scene a moment later for it to work, right? I mean, yes and no. I feel like I feel like TNG explains warp bubbles as much as this does. I think you might be misunderstanding what I'm saying. I I think not only do you have to believe it, but I think the show does it. Like I think when you see the bubbles merge, it looks like it looks like when you go to the park and blow some burbles. Yeah. And they and they float together and sometimes become one big burble. 
Yeah. I guess that's easier to show in this show than it was in TNG. Yeah. I agree. But yeah, there's a, uh, a fun line from Jankum Pog expressing relief that they're at least not shooting at them. And then the shovel starts licking shots in the atmosphere. Ooh, and now they're shooting at us. You know, they're trying, they're strategizing. Rock Talk is coming up with an idea for reconfiguring the deflector and Jankum Pog rejects that out of hand. Really hard to get a get a lock on just how good of an engineer Jankum Pog actually is. Yeah, sure, why not? Beep boop, beep boop. It was hard for me to get a lock on how many times the USS shovel was going to shoot at the Protostar without really anything happening. Over and over, they're getting shot at. Yeah, well, it's, man, I was wondering if that was because they were trying to just like get their shields down to nothing, and so they're not trying to like completely blow them out of the water with each blast, but just trying to like peck away at them. These don't look like gentle bangers, though. No, it's very interesting. Like the shot of the of the warp fields merging looks so chaotic, and then when they cut to the inside, like the inertial dampers are handing all of that, and yeah. Zero's like, "Oh, interesting. They're merging the the warp fields." It's smooth as hell. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. Feels nice. <laughs> they are stuck with this dilemma, though. They need to communicate with the OSS shovel, get them to stop trying to kill them. But how do you do it? Because if the second you open up computer-based comms, See this button? it's over. Don't touch it! That's the, whole, that's the whole game right there. How tantalizing is it as a reflex to want to hit that open a channel button? And not. I know. I know. There's got to be a lot to that that we're not seeing. If they're locked out, why can't the glowing orb just open the channel? That's what I'm saying. How sophisticated is the glowing orb if the glowing orb can't even choose to open a channel? Yeah. It's like fucking... Oh, no, Ben. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you just broke the show, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, You just broke Star Trek Prodigy. Take it back to the drawing board, Paramount Plus. It's not good. <laughs> Look at it. Oh. Oh. Stop kicking it. It's already dead. <laughs> with no like technological means to communicate, Zero comes up with a hippie means mm-hmm. to communicate. Astral projection. Yeah. But Zero is not capable of doing this astral projection by themselves. They need a hive mind of some kind. And the only other character aboard that has any telepathic ability is Dal because of all his augmented genes. So in a somewhat mind-meldy way, they like hold hands, although just robot hands on Zero. (laughs) So maybe just more for like Dal kind of getting into the mood of the thing yeah, uh, than anything else. I mean, ceremony is important, right? Yeah. There's a profundity to ritual that is yeah. hard to, you know, you can't just uh, simulate that. that. That's something they have to practice at. Yeah. So with his mind to Zero's mind, with his thoughts to Zero's thoughts, they reach out and contact Janeway Actual, who is out of commission, unconscious in a closet, but then like a phaser banger hits the ship as this is happening, and it's a freaky Friday, Adam. There's no other way to put it. What do they call them in uh, Strange New Worlds? 
Hijinks? Hijinks. This is hijinks. I do not like hijinks. It's Vulcan hijinks. Who doesn't love hijinks? Dal's mind is in Admiral Janeway's body, and Admiral Janeway's mind is in Dal's body. I like the differences that we see visually in how this arrangement has happened, right? Because with Dal's body and Janeway inside, we're seeing it as an outsider. Yeah. But when we cut over to Janeway, it's POV. And I like getting two totally different spins on what the experience is like. It's very fun. And it's very fun to feel like you've got it figured out before the characters even do. And I thought that they did a really nice job with that. And I also thought that Brett Gray and Kate Mulgrew had a lot of fun kind of impersonating each other to a a small extent, more in like speech pattern than in in like accent, but. Really great job by Brett Gray, uh, not doing an impression as bad as we do. (laughs) There's only one greatest generation impression. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of Captain Janeway, and it sounds like this. Well, that's why Brett Gray is a professional actor, and we are not. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're on the bench. <laughs> yeah. So Dell's body with Janeway's mind wakes up and uh, has a face-to-face with Murph and a, a big freak out. Meanwhile, Dal's mind in Janeway's body is going absolutely wild in a bathroom aboard the OSS shovel, just exploring everything. Uh, And that is where Janeway's body stays, in her quarters, for the rest of the episode. Just going absolutely ham. (laughs) It's so interesting, like, you get the Kate Mulgrew read of the Dal character voice, but you also get the physicality of Adal in a larger body that he's not used to. Yeah. Kind of walking around like it's being marionetted a little bit. Yeah, very stumbly, very like unused to the uh, (laughs) experience of having a body like this. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey Ben, would you say that Dell's got a big old body. <laughs> yeah. I would say that relative to what he's used to, Dallas big beyond belief at this point. <laughs> so he goes out and kind of like stumbles down the hallway. And meanwhile, the diviner uh, comes comes out of a door with some, some handcuffs behind his back. And it's pretty clear that the diviner is now the lowest guy in the org chart for team bad guy. Like it goes like Vindicator, then Dreadnought, then the diviner. Yeah. And I think that uh, like a lot of that plays into the decisions that the diviner makes in this episode. <laughs> Cause he, he like finds, finds an empty closet and is like, Oh, that's my butt. I'm going to be in so much trouble for this. <laughs> It's, I mean, there's kind of a fun save by the bell moment here. Like the red alert interrupts the awkward interaction. Yeah. And Commander Davi Diggs beams Janeway up to the bridge. No, that's not. Because that's how urgently they need the Admiral up there. So not doing a great job of impersonating uh, an Admiral because he has no context in which to do it. Dal is uh, very goofy as uh, Admiral Janeway and, you know, realizes that they're shooting the protostar and just before they can get the shields down, begs them to stop shooting, you know, gets to taste coffee for the first time, 
comically hates it. And meanwhile, Janeway and Dal's body over on the Protostar is basically getting an organized PowerPoint of the premise of the show yeah. at this point. They're having a very different experience. Janeway as Dal gets the pictures, both of them, like the big picture and the small picture. Yeah. Oops, all pictures is what Janeway gets. They can't do the telepathic link like they did before, though. Like, Zero rules that out. Like, the plan is to is to swap the bodies back, but how do they do that? Right. It's a stumper. Yeah, because Janeway's not in control of the telepathic abilities the same way Dal was, and... Also, there was a physical connection in the fact that the ship was phasering them at the time of uh, of the jump. Zero is also totally grief-stricken about making another mistake at the workplace. Like, right. cannot be consoled. <laughs> Get back in the game, Zero! Yeah, Zero just trudges over to the big sign on the wall in the back of the bridge and turns it back to zero days since <laughs> an industrial accident on board the Protostar. And the word zero is like written in Zero's handwriting as kind of yeah. like a fuck you to Zero. Yeah, it's like looking in a mirror when Zero <laughs> sees the number zero there. But if Zero looked in a mirror without wearing the suit, do you yeah. think uh, Zero's weird brain would be fried? Yeah. I think so too. Zero's looking at the Medusin in the mirror. Yeah. Zero's asking them to make a change. Back on the USS shovel, Janeway and Asensia have the kind of conversation that like a patient relative has with an older relative who isn't super with it anymore. Yeah. I love the math of this because Asensia is like, why is Janeway not pissed at me? Because I was just part of like, judo chopping Janeway into unconsciousness. Yeah. And like Janeway's acting like so weird and Asensia has no idea what to make of it. The tension <laughs> of that is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually like a thing that I would be very curious if like an eight-year-old picks up on. Uh-huh. These two characters don't know why either of them is acting the way they are, but we do <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, Dr. George walks in during this meeting and is scanning Janeway and is like, yeah, something really strange going on with your brainwaves there, Admiral. Uh, would love to get you down to the six bay and, uh, and take some scans. This scene is low-key really dangerous for kids to watch and learn anything from. Because Janeway's like, oh, brain injury, you say? I'm just going to go take a nap. I don't want those tests until later. And the doctor thinks this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think the doctor is bad. Bad at his job. I think the doctor has been bad. Like, the doctor was an asshole to Jengam Pog for no fucking reason back in uh, Moss Eisley or whatever. I think the doctor should be the vindicator and not Essentia. Yeah. I don't want Essentia to be bad. Yeah. I don't either. Be good, Essentia. You have so much potential as a good. Too late. She's bad. <laughs> Real bad. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, on the bridge, like, after Dal leaves to go take this nap, Commander Tysus is talking to Asensia, and Asensia's like, well, if if there's this weapon on board the Protostar, we're going to need, like, a whole bunch of Starfleet ships to help us out with it, right? <laughs> and Tysus is like, yeah, great call. So a full Wolf 359 thing getting set up here. It's going to be bad. When Asensia pulls that crooked smile, you know Tysus is just playing right into her hands. You yeah. fucked up, Tysus. 
Tysis was so gun shy about going into the neutral zone mm-hmm. and now is calling in the cavalry like it ain't no thing. Like, which is it? He's a real hawk. Yeah. He's like completely turned around on how bloodthirsty he is <laughs> as a character. Do his eyes look especially red this episode? Yeah, I think Tysis might have burned one before showing up at work today. <laughs> Get it together, Tysis. Or like, go with a gummy or something. Why? You, how can you be on the bridge as zooted as you are, Tysis? This is not acceptable for a Starfleet officer. Uh, understood. <laughs> how much suck disc are you playing? Get it together. Is the reason we didn't really make much of Commander Tysis in the first half of the season because he was trying to not have anyone pay attention to him? Just very paranoid. Yeah, he's like in the corner going like, be cool, man. Nobody knows you're high. And if you're cool, nobody's going to find out you're high. I'm just busy thinking real hard. <laughs> All these screens making my eyes red. <laughs> Dr. George scans Tysis with his dry cord and is like, wow, your brainwaves are fucked up too. Faint cellular damage in your cerebral cortex. But in a groovy yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah, they're kind of fucked up. Like they're on the backbeat, like <laughs> very <laughs> mellow. <laughs> on the protostar, Janeway uh, pushes the buttons that open the cellar door and goes down there and finds hologram Janeway just kind of like hanging out in a very void staring mood, mm-hmm. chilling with the construct. Didn't and turn herself off, did she? No, she just uh, turned herself down one floor. I found this suspicious, and I think maybe unintentionally. Like, I don't oh. think I'm supposed to feel that way, but I was like, what are you still doing on? And what are you doing <laughs> with the construct? Yeah, yeah. And why do you have that glass pressed to the ceiling and you're like listening to the other side of it? Like you're trying to hear what's going on up there. Yeah. What's that about? So Janeway and Dal's body walks down in there. <laughs> and uh, after seeing Hollow Janeway have her bum out, tries to explain through a kind of two-factor autobiographical authentication. <laughs> and Hollow Janeway is like, tell me something only I would know. <laughs> and Janeway in Dallas body is like, I can describe Tom Mervins's penis <laughs> so thoroughly. <laughs> and then we like cut back up to the bridge, like where, where the kids are. And they're just like, nothing happens there. Yeah. It's like beeps and boops and like, you know. We were talking about like those super cuts of 10 hours of bridge noise from the Enterprise D. Yeah. This is the footage that the 10 hours of Protostar bridge noises will be made out of. Because it lasts for a long time. A good third of the episode is is cutting away from Dal Janeway describing Tom Mervis's dick. And what I want to ask you about this scene is that, like, does the length of time correspond with how big it is? How unique it is? Surprise, motherfucker. How long would it take you to describe your own dick? A good question. It would take me... Let's find out. Three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, is Tom Mervis's dick so interesting and weird that, like, I could go on and on about it? Yeah, yeah. It looks different every time I see it. (laughs) I have many framed photos of it, some with the dog, some without. Sometimes if I look at it and I kind of cross my eyes slightly, I can see a sailboat. (laughs) Yeah, he does have a magic penis. (laughs) 
And with that description, she passes the test. I think Hollow Janeway passes in front of the camera. And yeah. for the rest of the scene, Dal's body is replaced with Admiral Janeway's body. And Admiral Janeway is like, well, you're corrupted. You're a non-essential program. And your files are messed up and I can fix that, but I can't fix the whole ship because I don't have the right kind of clearances. So up pops like a 3D computer panel and Admiral Janeway like boops some buttons and suddenly Hologram Janeway has full memory access to what happened before and knows about... Captain Chakotay, Chakotay, but doesn't know anything about what happened to Captain Chakotay after he got marooned in the future and sent the protostar back in time. Yeah, the video cuts off at the gang of dreadnoughts right. who have boarded the ship. After all this is established, Rock Talk tries to call them back up to the bridge and uh, comes up with a, a greatest trick worthy portmanteau, <laughs> Admiral. Yeah, it, it sucks that we can't use it. It sucks. That's like, that is on par with Ram Yarlin. Yep. As, yeah. As far as, as far as great portmanteaus go. They talk about like, how are they going to reproduce the conditions that got the, the mines Freaky Friday in the first place? And the plan is as follows. You're going to jump out of the ship and touch spacesuits. I thought this was so interesting when they broke it down. They were like, well, you weren't touching before, were you? To, to do the body swap? And it's explained that they actually were via phaser beam. Yeah, that, that was like a conductive phaser beam. Yeah, uh, and because they can't reproduce that kind of moment, the idea is to have them actually touching outside the ship. Listen, I was once transformed into a salamander. They realize that uh, the Dal is trying to signal them from Six Bay on the other ship using Morse code. And they realize that Sending a complex message back in Morse code is going to be impossible because the only letters Dal knows are S and O. So, <laughs> so they use uh, charades to uh, to get the message across. And fortunately, Dal totally gets this. Dal Janeway is like, gotcha. As the proxy for the slower Friends of DeSoto that we have, mm. as you were describing that, I was like, God, what could he spell with S-O? <laughs> That's not useful at all. <laughs> and then as you had moved on, I was like, oh yeah. Oh, I get it. <laughs> so Admiral is getting suited up. Carbon monoxide detector now like just red. Just like straight up red. Yeah. Uh, Ali, if, if you could edit the uh, high-pitched siren <laughs> out of Adam's feed of the uh, audio, that would be great. I don't even hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Admiral Dal is getting suited up and is like, yeah, bad news for Dal when he gets back in his body. He can't be in Starfleet on account of his genetic augmentations. Yeah. We hate those people. They never make exceptions for that. Nope. Unless you can commit to a lifestyle of disposing of all of the excess urine that, like, an entire starbase produces, for example. Few people know the reason I'm married to Tom Mervins was his genetically modified penis. <laughs> he could never get into Starfleet with it. It would take me a novel to describe it end to end. 
the first chapter would go a little something like this, and then it cuts to commercial. <laughs> when we come back from commercial... And in the beginning, a scientist created Tom Mervins's penis, and it was long. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy penis. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, on the uh, on the USS Shovel, Dal in Janeway's body is like getting sectioned because <laughs> everybody has realized how strangely the admiral is acting. Yeah, and when he tries to like you know shove somebody and run down a hallway, it turns out basically everybody in the hallways is strapped and there to contain him. <laughs> they they send him back to six bay, and he is like strapped down to a bed. But left just with the diviner, like left alone with the diviner, no no detail on him to make sure that the admiral doesn't get up and run away again. And so then the diviner is like, I think just chafing under this like totally humiliating demotion that is evidenced at the beginning of the episode is like, well, you know, you saved my life and you were really nice to me when you did so. So uh, I'm going to do you this one solid I I am not abandoning my mission. I do ultimately want to destroy Starfleet, but you know, you being the linchpin to stopping my evil plan, I'm going to I'm I'm going to help you out this one time, okay? I did not think the diviner would be this dumb. <laughs> what are you doing, the diviner? This is this is like the negotiation at the end of that Naked Gun movie. <laughs> Where Drebin gives the uh, the the how does that go? When when Frank Drebin gives fuck oh, I'm starting to pass out. Hey, open a window or something, man. <laughs> I didn't really understand the reverse eye for an eye of this scene, especially when at the end the diviner's like, if I'm not successful in my mission, which I have just made the chances of becoming greater by letting you go. Take care of my daughter for me. Yeah. Hey, Diviner, if your mission is so important, why don't you not let Janeway go and be a little more involved in whether or not you get mission success and are able to take care of your daughter after the fact? Yeah. I just flat did not understand his reasons at all. Going against his orders in having a progeny sort of became a slippery slope. It's like he was ordered not to have a progeny. He broke that one part of his orders. And now it's like cares more about the progeny than the mission. If all those child slaves on his mining planet had just had the opportunity to maybe save the diviner's life at one point, <laughs> they'd be free. They'd be free. That's all baby. they had to do. You remember that little kitty in the first episode? That kitty would be free. <laughs> it's It's the code. <laughs> like it's it's a planet full of child slaves setting up like slip and falls hoping yeah. the diviner comes through so that right. they're in a position to maybe save his life yeah tesla mora has a very robust trial attorney industry What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. 
And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from... What am I going to have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals? And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Hi, Adam Pranica here for Podshop.biz, the easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult, and it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy, jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw-dogging your smartphone. Strap it up with the choice of designs that'll have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At podshop.biz, you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, this old enterprise, Logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at podshop.biz. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? 
Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Despite having been sectioned and freed, Dal in Admiral Janeway's body is able to get in a spacesuit, clamber along the hull from the wrong side and jump out into space before Janeway and Dal's body even gets out the airlock. This moment was so fast, but it might be my favorite part of the episode. And I don't mean that as a way to like diminish any other part of it, but the value for comedy that you get from the quick zoom out to reveal the mistake. <laughs> like, that's a kind of in-the-camera comedy that I just fucking love. And I love that it's a little dig at Dal being a boob again. Like, like right. he fucked up. Like, he always fucks up. <laughs> and this moment goes by so fast, but it got a real laugh out of me. Like, yeah, it was good. <laughs> so they do this thing where they jump off of the ship. I guess Janeway jumps, and then Dal jumps with Tether. Murph as like the... <laughs> as the bungee that's going to snap them back to the ship. But right as they're, you know, reaching out, they're inches from touching, a tractor beam grabs Janeway's body and starts pulling it back toward the USS shovel. And so what do we know about phasers? They can conduct telepathic energy. So Janeway fires a phaser at her own body. Uh, something engulfs both of them. We go to a split screen and like a dissolve and the and the souls go back into the proper bodies. And oh man, Janeway wakes up in a brig. Oof. <laughs> Do not like that. How's she going to talk her way out of this one? Yeah, I mean, her conditions are far worse than Dal who wakes up with Murph on top of him. Yeah, and, uh, and the entire protostar crew who comes out of warp with the entire fleet assembled to uh, to attack them if need be. I feel like we need to do this every time it's done right, but hey, good job, Star Trek, by making all the ships different. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw the hood in there. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, the hood was late, but it was there. Yeah, it made it. Yeah. <laughs> you get the musical sting that happens before the end credits of Lost, right? Like, this this felt like a real wow yeah. of an was, ending. Uh, we are become Cliff Kids, and uh, we are heading into the next episode with, like, a end of a season of Discovery-level stakes here. Right. You know? This is the Federation on the line, man. Yeah. Did you like this episode? Action-packed, right? 
like 22 minutes of fucking fury, I thought. Yeah. And for an episode that really didn't have, like, it opens with the firefight between ships and there's some exchange of phaser fire, I guess, more or less throughout. Hand phasers, ship phasers, like, this is an episode just full of action. More so than maybe any other. Truly. I thought it was great. Like, it was it was totally bracing as a, as a pace of play. Yeah, it never slows down, and I thought uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, uh, I didn't see a Freaky Friday coming this late in the season, but yeah, uh, I thought it was a, a well done Freaky Friday, and you know, well justified and and a lot of fun to watch them puzzle through the solution of. Yeah, I think you put it well with that. It felt like a kind of plot tennis like a rally where it's like problem solution problem solution for the whole episode but it never felt manufactured in a way that felt like rote or whatever like it just right. it felt realistic for the problems that they were having and i know i'm saying that about a freaky friday episode of star trek but mm-hmm. like you know sometimes you can detect a problem that's just conjured as a way to create drama for there to be a solution Sure. I don't feel like this is that. The uh, the connective tissues between the scenes is always a but and not an and then. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody I know has a big but. Great but in this episode. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I felt good about this one, but uh, it's I, a I much shorter if- book. The one that I write about Tom Mervins's ass. <laughs> not much of an ass on Tom Mervins. Yeah, just kind of, kind of uh, lacking in the dump truck department. Uh, <laughs> but uh, do you want to see if uh, if we have any priority one messages that rate a novel, Adam? Oh yeah, let's see how verbose it gets today. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Our priority one message today. There's just one here, Adam, and okay. it's of a personal nature. It's from. Pit Baster, a.k.a. Ben. No relation. And it's to the Discord FODs. It goes like this. Happy holidays to everyone on the hood. I joined the Discord a couple of months before the boy. Wesley, the boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher. My son. Was born, and I can't emphasize enough how great it has been getting to know you folks this past year and a half. You're the best pocket friends a person could ask for, and that's made raising a baby during a pandemic so much less stressful. Wow. What a great thing to say to a group of really fun people over on the Discord. Yeah, this other Ben also has a new baby, just like me. Pit Baster has a Darone. <laughs> yeah, Every, everybody's got their own Darone over there on the <laughs> Discord. Uh <laughs> Uh, you and I occasionally will pop into the Discord. There's a uh, there's like a ten forward section on mm-hmm. there that's just for like hanging out and shooting the old breeze. I always and, get a thrill yeah. popping in there and and doing a message to every user that's online, <laughs> announcing my arrival. That's fun. I did I did not know that that was a function that was available. You're gonna have to show me how to do that. You got to do it, man. It's like getting on the PA at your high school. It's it's great. A Star Trek podcaster is present on Discord. A Star Trek podcaster, I repeat, is present on Discord. You remember when you were in school and there was an assembly that no one announced? Like, oh, I thought I was 
I thought this was just going to be a class and we're going to an assembly. This rules. <laughs> yeah. And then it ends Hell up yeah. being like a really depressing assembly. Yeah. About like uh, wolf conservation. <laughs> and, yeah. And in your experience, they were all about wolves. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Ben, how do people get over to the Drunk Shimoda Discord? Uh, I think it's just drunkshimoda.com. And yeah, they uh, got the URL before we did. Yep. <laughs> Uh, as kind of tends to happen with yeah. us. <laughs> you know, the only <laughs> URL we got that we wanted is podshop.biz. That was our first yeah. choice. Yeah, we got that one. And we got podstore.biz, just to be careful. Make sure nobody... Uh... Does anyone have podpod.pod? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. All right. Uh, well, if you'd like to get a Priority One message... Head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Set one up today. Today's the day to do it. I'm looking at the P1 calendar, Ben. Wide open. We got some openings. Wide the freak open. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Bonus breaks. People have not stopped asking us to stop doing that. Every time we release an episode of this show, they they beg us, please. Not this time. No. My beloved puppy Ripley loved that. Oh yeah? She got right up after a nap. Aww. Hey, puppy, look at my socks. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> um, I'm going to name the diviner as my Barnes Franks yeah. for this episode. That that just like absolute chaos agent bullshit that <laughs> the diviner is pulling <laughs> really smacked of Barnes. Hey, Star Trek Prodigy? He owned and operated a planet full of child slaves. There is no redemption of this character. (laughs) And if at the very end there is an attempt for that, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can redeem. Redeem! Redeem! (laughs) Please redeem! Well, that's a good one, Ben. But uh, mine, it's not a competition. But mine might be better. Oh, fuck! There is a moment of comedy that we did not discuss in this episode. It's when Janeway's body, filled with Dal, is sight-to-sight transported to the bridge. Mm -hmm. And Commander Tysus gets out of the command chair and Janeway (laughs) sits down. Yeah. The things that I really love about Star Trek as a place are how it sounds. Like... It is such a specific sound to a starship. We all know it, but when Janeway sits down in the chair and the chair makes that vinyl sound, yeah, the vinyl chair sound feels so out of place in a place where it's almost all you should hear. Like there's vinyl <laughs> chairs all over the bridge. Yeah. And yet we never hear this offending sound until now. And I just love this moment. Like, it's it's played for laughs because, oh, geez, like, look at how uncomfortable Janeway is sitting in her own chair. 
But the chair squeak of that moment, that's just a Barnes Franks moment right there for me. It was really funny. I couldn't agree more. That was uh, that was a delightful moment. And uh, yeah, I like the idea that uh, that body is so unfamiliar that Dal like falls out <laughs> the chair. The question becomes, does Janeway know that the chairs are squeaky and sits down in a specific way so that they're quiet? And oh. and like, if you, you know what? I wonder if this is a thing in Starfleet. Like, you need to know how to sit down in the chair quietly and they'll know your birdie has been taken over by an alien force if you try to sit down in a chair and it makes a sound. <laughs> Yeah, this is just built-in operational security on every starship. <laughs> and it's analog. That's what's so great about it, right? Like, like a tricorder is not going to pick it up. People drag Starfleet security all the time for being like absurdly loose given the destructive power of their ships and what horrible things could happen if they fell into enemy hands. But like there are clever things like this built into the environment on a starship that you never notice. This is a really important episode and maybe the most important episode in terms of world building Starfleet because there have been hundreds of years of <laughs> cadets who turn into commissioned officers, who turn into captains, and a part of all of their training has been how to sit down in a chair quietly so that... <laughs> So that if your Barty is eventually taken over by a malevolent force and that yeah. and that person sits your Barty into a, a chair on the bridge, they can tell. So many people think that the Kobayashi Maru is an unwinnable test about, you know, what you do in a no-win scenario. It is really just a test of what you do when you sit down in the <laughs> captain's chair. <laughs> like you can- <laughs> you remember you remember in the beginning of Wrath of Khan where they cut momentarily to the exterior of the Kobayashi Maru and there's like smoke and fire coming out? Yeah. What we don't know is that that was just what happened when someone sat down wrong. Because, because Kirstie Alley didn't know how to use captain's chair correctly. <laughs> she reached for the handle that uh, that like... RSVP. That pumped it up. Yeah. She will be missed, uh, you know, especially her politics. Yeah, way to way to speak ill of the dead, Ben. Keep it classy. <laughs> well, Adam, uh, that is just about it for the show today. But we should uh, shout out a friend of DeSoto who has been kind enough to shout us out on the internet. That's right, Ben. It is the segment of segments, maybe the best part of the show. Yeah, I mean, nobody really feels that way but uh i mean it's great for us but it does serve as a warning to others ben and that is why we call this segment warning boys prepare a buoy and launch it when ready warning boys an emergency buoy a warning buoy where we read messages that either uh encourage or mostly discourage others from listening Mm -hmm. to our programs Today's uh, message is an Instagram post by ghost underscore nebula underscore illustration. They tagged us in a drawing of theirs of Tin Man. Tin Man. And uh, I just like the drawing a lot. I wanted to compliment uh, ghost nebula illustration on a great drawing and say thanks for for shouting us out. Love a Tin Man picture. Love a Tin Man picture even more. Tin Man. 
Yeah, some really cool drawings on this on this person's page. Go ahead and check them out. Look at that little pine cone. Mm-hmm. Look at that little living, living pine cone. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to get uh, a shout out on the segment, shout us out on the internet, and uh, if Bill Tilly finds it, he will let us know. We might uh, we might talk about it here on the show. In the meantime, uh, we've got some credits for you where you can hear a little bit about next week's episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, take it away, Allie. Thanks, Allie. Guest editor, Allie. Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by Wendy Pretty and edited this week by Allie Love. Next up on Star Trek Prodigy... Season 1, Episode 19, Supernova Part 1. Surrounded by the Federation Armada, the crew attempts to stop their ship from destroying all of Starfleet. We have to thank Adam Ragusia for all the original music you hear on the show. He has a podcast and a YouTube cooking channel you can find by searching Adam Ragusia online. Thank you to Nick Dittmore for creating the show art, and Cardetti Bill Tilly for running the Uxbridge Shimoda social media accounts. You can find the show online by following at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate the friends of DeSoto for leaving five-star ratings and reviews and for recommending the show to a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. Great big birds. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.